Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, we are back, Northlanders. We are back with our number two here. This is the last Wednesday of the month, and of course, on the last Wednesday of the month, we always have a lot of sawdust flying around in the studios because we got Pete Woods and Let the Sawdust Fly. And and Pete, um, I have a question to start off with. Okay. Here. Do do I have to stand at attention the whole show again? <laughs> Donna saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> Soldier on your feet. Patties, Marie. Patties. Okay. <laughs> oh well, Brad and folks out there, it's great to be back again. Another month, and it comes and goes really quick, and it seems like just flying by, like we were just in here yesterday. And uh, it's this show, folks, can be a continuation of the last show. So if you missed the last show, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast because the information there on that to get you ready for this one, and this can continue on to next month. And the end of the year, probably, because there's so much information that we have today with us. And today, I'm not going to do as much talking because I want to get more from the Menominee Tribe out of Wisconsin, which is northwest of Green Bay, if you want to look at a map. They're located there. And we have from there, we have Nels Huss. Hopefully, I'm saying your names right, guys. Nels Huss from Marketing for Menominee Tribe and Ron Waka, who is a forester with the Menominee Tribe. And guys, are you there? Oh, here, here. Yes. Good, good. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, good morning Nels. Uh, Ron, could you, uh, first we'll start out with Ron just a little bit. Could you give a little brief history of yourself, Ron, and what you do there, and then we'll go to Nels, and then we'll start talking about the information more. Okay, yeah. Good morning. Um, uh, thanks for having us on, on the show. We appreciate it. Um, my name is Ron Waka. I am a forester here at, uh, forest manager here at Menominee. Um, Menominee Tribal Enterprises. So we're tasked with managing our our forest, which is about 220,000 acres. Um, I've been in and around forestry since 1988 here on on our forest. So uh, quite a while. Um, Been able to do all types of different work, work my way up and through a lot of the programs, including fire. So um glad to be here today, and that's a little bit about myself. Thanks. Great. And Nels, uh, could you tell the folks out there about yourself and what you do? Uh, <clears throat> my name is Nels Hughes, and uh, I'm marketing specialist for the Menominee Tribe, and uh, been in the woodworking business since for 49 years, and uh, just uh, working hard to uh, make people aware of what we are doing at Menominee Tribal Enterprises and uh, reaching out to the community and to the industry and seeing if there's ways we can help, and then we can all do things better. That's pretty much what we're after. Great. And, uh, uh, Brad, these folks have been doing this for many, many years, and the Menominee Tribe has been in existence for many generations, many, many, and that's why I wanted to go with these folks because they have so much depth of history, but today we're going to. I would oh, like yeah. to focus on a little bit of some of the things that they've done with their forest products that you normally think how'd they get there, and a few of the real big ones that I was talking to Nels off air was uh, Nels. Could you tell the folks out there uh, about some of your big projects of the basketball courts and what it took to get to that point? Sure. I mean, the the finished product, and then we're. I don't think we're going to get back in history today, folks, 
because how it, what it actually takes to get there. But could we start on that a little bit there? We can do that. Um, thank you for asking. Uh, we were in, we are in a, this is more of a marketing strategy for us, but uh, we had a great opportunity, and we like to partner with companies that are buying from us and do special things. You know, Connor Sports up in Amazon, Michigan, has said, hey, you know, how about we try and do something special with some of these NBA floors that are coming up and, and other things, and let's see what you can do. And uh, I said, hey, we want to do that. We, we're all about that. And so it took a number of years to put that package together for the Milwaukee Bucks. When they were building their wow. new training center, their new training center was three basketball courts. And then at the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee, they have two courts. One is a backup and one is their main court. So five basketball courts in, in one facility and a, really a great opportunity. Uh, three of them are permanent and three of them are portable. So we have a new system we're using on the portable and uh, the NBA standards for hard maple floors are very strict. And, and uh, we had a lot to do with that and um, making sure we follow the guidelines working hard with Hunter Sports and NBA officials to uh, make sure we have everything that they need. But most of all, we wanted to have something special. We're a Native American company, so that would be special for us. We could do things that other people couldn't do because we're running a completely sustainable forest. So we can go out and uh, Ron's guys can fix where we're going to take this maple from. We can actually show our climate client that before it happens. Uh, so, actually, literally, some of the officials from Milwaukee Bucks, the president himself was up, and we were in the forest looking at the maple that potentially could be used at, on these floors. And we gave them three different quadrants that we could potentially build it out, and they were floored by that. Nels, this is Brad Bennett, and I was going to ask you, so, so what you guys do is that you work with Ron to actually go out in the woods there on the Menominee Reservation and choose the wood that will be put into these floors, and then you you actually um, manufacture the floor on your tribal reservation. Is that right? No, we don't. We don't manufacture it on our reservation. We are actually we're oh, picking floors with Ron's guys and um, giving the customer a chance to really feel what it's like to be in a sustainable forest. So we start right, right. at the water end. And we want them to, they okay. want to be involved in that. They want, they want, that's part of their story. And so um, then when we get that, then we process that wood through with the loggers. We bring it into the yard. We scale it all off. We cut it in our sawmill and we, we grade it all. And then we send it off to flooring manufacturers. In this case, it was okay. Sports, but it, but it could be other ones. Flooring manufacturers are an entity all in the, to themselves. That's all they do. Yes. They run really high speed, and uh, it would be hard for us to compete with that. But we sell them but, the hard maple for their floors. Exactly. So, in other words, they're delivering a good quality floor because you've delivered good quality lumber to them to prepare the floor. That's correct. And it's a partnership. And uh, we call those preferred partners when we do things like that. Ron, on uh, a forester in a tribal uh, area like that, I think you said 25,000 acres of a forest or something like that. Do you guys have a management plan to avoid things like uh, wildfires or uh, uh, droughts where you might get a wildfire take off in an area because of a lightning hit or something? Do you actually have a management plan to take care 
to protect the forest? Yeah, thanks, Brad. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have a pretty extensive um, uh, management plan that we that we've. It's a we wrote it for twenty years. It's a twenty year plan. It's a real real strategic plan to look at all aspects of the forest. So fire fire management is included in that um, the section on fire. Uh, but to get back to a little bit on what what Nels was was saying, you know that that's a part of it too. How we how we write our prescriptions and treatments of how um, and what trees are removed from our forest. You know, it's it's all done on a schedule. Our, our, our stands are scheduled over every 15 years in this certain type of uh, selection mark. So um, selection thinnings that we do. So every 15 years, we'll go back into an area, thin it again, um, put it back on a schedule when it's done, completed being thinned, and then so we don't miss it, and it comes back up in the planning cycle. 15 years down the road so that's done sure. all the prescriptions all the prescriptions are written um and then we have a order of, of removal of how we select and pick the trees that are thin and it's done on a sustained yield basis it's not done you know it's not done on a whatever markets are hot or what what it's done sticking to the plan the sustainable management plan that we have so we stick to the plan and the sawmill gets uh, what they get to process um, and then we—that's how we uh, operate through the management plan. Well, boy, that sounds like a—that sounds like a good plan. I mean, I, I think if California had done that on a regular basis, they could avoid a lot of the fire damage they have from some of their uh, seems like ongoing, ever never-ending uh, fires out there. But Pete, go ahead. Uh, some of the didn't even some of the players come out to where the trees were still. To see what it actually takes place to get that flooring in. Um, the cool thing I think with this for the Bucks when they were making their run for the world title, and uh, Chris Middleton from the Bucks had been out and uh, and looked and, and did a pass through and uh, was part of the team that came out from the Milwaukee Bucks. But when they were down zero and two, and their backs were against the wall for the title, Peter Fagan sent me an email and he goes, "Hey Nels." Which of those two floors are the ones that has the most wins? I said, well, by far, it's the, the floor with the buckhead on it. Because that floor was blessed by the Menominee tribe before it left. The wood on there was blessed. So the next day, he sends me an email, and he says, I just want you to know we switched the floors up. The buckhead floor is down. Let's see what happens. Well, everybody knows what happened after that. They never lost a game. <laughs> that actually did happen, Nels? That yeah. actually did happen. That was so cool. And they never lost a game after that. <laughs> never lost a game on that court. Wow. That's outstanding. Wow. But now, here's the question, Nels. Did they send you a ring, a championship ring? <laughs> they should have. <laughs> uh, Ron and I are still waiting for that because we feel we were a major part of that. But uh, I haven't seen one yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what, Peter? We've got to we've got to take our first break here, Kenny. We got to take this break, and then we'll come back more with "Let the Sawdust Fly." Giant redwood, the larch, the fir, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. 
I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. On Wednesday, I I'll go shopping. I just love that you go to the tea. laboratory. <laughs> it's everywhere, everywhere. Anyway, thanks, folks, for coming back. And, uh, yeah, a few things on the last bit. Uh, they don't manage 20,000 acres. They manage 220,000 acres. And and as far as, like, California or something like that, they could learn a lot by what is being done here, and it's been done for many, many generations because what's happened with a lot of forests, Forest Service, they have become caretakers, basically cleaning the doors, watching how things go in and out instead of being managers of the forest. And that would be a big difference there. And I'd like to hit next month on a little bit of sequoias and that, my thoughts on that and what could be done. But back to the Menominee tribe with Nels and Ron, and the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks is, a, is like a big thing, and, and it's very excellent and prideful to be able to say those things because it yeah. comes from their tribe, and they worked with other parts of the upper Midwest, like Michigan, and getting their, their materials and that. But uh, but Ron and Nels, um, you do other products. You do a fair amount of pulpwood and other things, and they're having the same issues that we do to manage our forests. And the big thing is like biomass. But could you guys hit on some of your other products that come out of your forest? And it is sustainable because you've been there for. I like to brag about how long I've been in the business with my family in the same driveway for a hundred over a hundred years. But Ron, you've been and your family's been in for. You got to put some zeros behind what I can claim. <laughs> yes, that that's correct, Pete. Um, you've been here a long time. You know, the tribe um, has been managing not just with the you know forest management, but the land management of the of the resource has been done for, for generations back to our. And we owe that to our, you know, to our chiefs, um, our previous leaders that were able to to have that vision um, and to be able to keep us here actually in Wisconsin, actually in, in our homeland, to be able to continue managing it today. So it does go back. I do want to mention um, <clears throat> one chief in particular, um, Chief Oshkosh. And, uh, you know, this is right in our management plan. I'm just saying he has a quote that's pretty, it, he talks about sustainability. And this was 18, probably around mid-1850s, 18, um, when, when the chief was talking about he talked about start with the rising sun and work towards the setting sun, but take only the mature trees and the sick trees and the trees that have fallen. And when you reach the when you reach the end of the reservation, turn and cut from the setting sun to the rising sun, and the trees will last forever. So that type of thought from our previous leaders is why we're here today. So I just wanted to mention that much. And the growth um, of all those trees in your management. That's pretty impressive. It is, yeah. isn't it, Ron? I mean, Brad? Yeah, it really yeah, is. That, and, you know, the previous, and then to set that up, you know, currently, yeah, we, we do market, you know, I'll talk about our logging, uh, the logging. So we we, um, we we follow our management plan. We set up uh, certain uh, jobs in certain areas to be cut on the forest, and then we contract that work out to um, local contract, logging contractors. And they come in the forest and they cut skid deliver the wood to our sawmill or pulp mills surrounding and and Pete's right, you know, the markets are, are taxed right now. The COVID um you could feel that impact pretty heavily on the pulp markets here. We lost a 
a mill went down, which was significant in the hardwood uh, area for us for pulp delivery. So we continue to work through that the best that we can, you know, and then the pulp markets, you know, those are regional pulp markets where the loggers need to travel a bit uh, to get it to the surrounding mills. And then our, our sawmill, which has been in, in existence since 1908, is in the central part of our reservation. And all the sawlog material that is cut on the forest all comes directly to, the, to our sawmill. Is that sawmill still original from 1908, Ron? It is. It is, Pete. The original... The original sawmill that the tribe ran was on at Kashina Falls and tied into the river run and the river logging um, previous to that um, mid-1800s. But the, the sawmill that we operate today has been there since 1908, and it was formed due to a, a, a windstorm, a wind event that blew down a lot of timber in 1906, and that tribe wanted to salvage that. And, and capture the value of what they could, and then that location of it ended up being in the open. So that's still in existence today. Do you ever plan on buying a newer sawmill, or do you plan on running that forever? <laughs> that is, we, in, the, in the business world, folks, that is incredible. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's been through some. You know, we've kept up. Um, we've kept up with. Went from um, a lot of the mill has got over. Uh, over time has, has been upgraded and uh, but it's still in need you know as time change and things become more efficient and and um, you know all the different types of uh, equipment that are available to us now so we've been we've been keeping up um, but we can always improve to keep um, keep the efficiency and the quality of the lumber that we run through the mill there so there's been upgrades for sure over the years I don't know the dates of the big ones but there's it's been upgraded Wow. This is the point where we have to uh, take our Fox News break. uh, And maybe when we come back, uh, what would you like to uh, continue on? You want to talk about some of the markets that are available to the Menominee tribe? uh, It's like you're you're sitting right next to me, Ron. (laughs) There, Brad. I had that exact same. That's what I was going to go into next. Some markets in that for the Menominee tribe. So they have other markets, but yeah. Okay, thanks. Well, let's do that. Let's take our Fox News break, and then we'll come back more with. Uh, and by the way, Don, I'm still standing at attention. You'll, I'm, I'm sure you Thank know you, that. Thank you, Brad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're quite, you're quite welcome. We'll be right back after the Fox News break. back with a little woodchopper's ball to bring us back. Uh, thank you, Pete. Go ahead and ask your questions. Okay, I've lost track there, but um, yeah, there's some of the other products, Nels, that you, you you folks over there do create, and and I know there is talk over there about uh, how we're importing pulp from South America, I do believe, for products here. Why are we not doing it here? Could you elaborate on that a little bit? That's just something we're getting a little bit started in. Um, we were became aware of that the eucalyptus tree in South America is widely used for pulp in the United States. Uh, very easy to grade out, and uh, the fiber is exactly what they're looking for. And um, 
they brought that in in a huge boat. In a, I think they had it in a slurry condition. I think it was processed through it somewhat. Yep. And um, they delivered that into Green Bay for the paper plants uh, through in Green Bay and the Fox Valley. And I was like, well, why why would you bring that in when we got we got mills that have just closed and we got problems. And uh, our guys have no place to deliver this pulp. Why would you do that? And um, but they are. And so we've questioned that. And uh, Dr. Paul Fowler from the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point, has really been on it hard. And um, he's looking to make a change with that. And uh, he has, they have done a lot of studies with the Forest Products Lab down in Madison at the University of Wisconsin. And between the two of them, they found out that the hard maple fiber is almost an exact match for the eucalyptus fiber, and it can do the same thing. Why aren't we using fiber from our own state or from the whole upper Midwest? And it's the question that we're posing on that right now, and uh, hopefully we can make a change there. Does it make any sense to me to be uh, importing it in? It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. No, with the eucalyptus, are those strands a lot longer, and isn't the fiber of the maple a little bit shorter? But the... All these trees grow in certain parts of the world because of the soils and the weather and all that. It all ties into why it is the way it is. But wouldn't the fiber strands of the maple be better for that product, you would think? Is that what they're studying? That's what they're studying. They're saying that it actually will make a stronger, better paper than the eucalyptus would. So yeah. that's, that's kind of where they're, that's where they're at right now. Well, hopefully, folks out there, that we can keep going down that road a little bit more and more and get those changes done because... Why not use our own product instead of a product from across the world? Why not use our own people, put them to work? Why not use our own forests, which are managed? And one thing that uh, Donna did did see on the Internet about what she could see about the tribal. Could you elaborate on that, Donna, just a little bit? Sure, but even just to bring up, you know, this point of, of employment, you know, I, I'm seeing here that um, your website says that you employ approximately 300 individuals um, with your with, with throughout MTE. That's a significant number, and then the mill alone employs about 160 workers during the peak season. So that's a significant workforce, and one of the things that I just pointed out to uh, Peter here was the fact that um, – the forest is so well managed that um, it, it says here the contrast is so apparent that you can actually see the boundaries of the Menominee Forest from space when viewing satellite imagery of Wisconsin. So that's pretty significant. If you can, you know, see a huge difference in an area just because of the land ethic and the commitment to the sustainable forest management practices, um, it's quite literally um, going to set, set you apart from all the other uh, forests in the area. Right. Donna, this is this is Brad again. That that's amazing when you said that about you can see it from the air, you can see the actual boundaries, because I know that even up in the Northland, there's areas around uh, even around Duluth that should be much better taken care of. We have so much dead and dying fallen trees on the ground that we just. We seem to allow them to just rot, and in many cases, they become a fire hazard. But if nothing else, it would make the whole area look a lot cleaner if we spent some time cleaning up our own forest areas. Right. I think the phrase is follow the science. Um, science is yeah. a tool here that um, has guided us, and, and if we incorporate this indigenous wisdom, I think we'll have a better uh, forest management practice here. So it's great to be talking with uh, somebody who's actually been putting this in practice. 
And, and Ron, uh, Ron, on, uh, as far as your as a Menominee tribe in that, is it like a if if I'm sitting here in Duluth and thinking about or somewhere out east or something like that, is a Menominee tribe like a big square box of land or is it go out different spots in that? How how would that look if we were looking at it? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for that, Donna and and, and Peter. Yeah, that that it, it is a it, it's it's one block. We were able to, we were able to keep our reservation as one as one um, continuous block of timber. So it, it is, you can't see it. We're kind of an island of timber uh, surrounded by a lot of agricultural lands around us. So you can see it. You, it is right. You can see it from satellite image. So um, 220,000 acres, it's all right here. Um, you know, it makes the management, management of it. Um, from our from our forestry building and our location here, we can get to any part of the forest in 30 minutes. Um, we can get up there and, and get do our work and get everything done that we need to do. So, um, one thing I'd like to touch on a little bit, Peter, is, is our lack. You know, we have annual allowable harvest that our management plan that dictates. So our management plan that we can cut X amount of timber uh, per year um, due to the lack of logging force due to the lack of experienced cutters um hand hand fallers and sawyers that we need here we're only getting in about half of that at this time so you know the the, the logging the logging industry and the the logger loggers that uh, generate all the the work that we need are, are it's concerning to us that it's it's the condition that it's in so we're always looking for um, in recruiting, trying to recruit um, any loggers that are interested in coming to cut here, especially the hand cutters. That's a very hard, hazardous, uh, important skill that we that we value here at Menominee. You know, they're they're the ones that are dropping the because a lot of the processors that we use, the mechanized equipment we use today, cannot handle the diameter of trees that we have on the forest. So that's a, still a very skilled position on our forest that we that we're we're in short we're we're in short supply of right now so it would be great to get um, some young folks into that you got to be in your 20s and then and you got to be healthy you got to have good legs to move around real fast and and um but um we're running out of time here are we good yeah kenny okay and and um it it takes a lot of learning but the thing is what what ron if you can hit on that those hand fallers and cutting and grading and that you got to really know what you're doing, and it can be learned, folks. It really can be. It's just that you got to have a desire to be willing to work out in the woods. You're going to be by yourself a lot and know what to do, yep. but to drop those trees so you don't ruin the product, that's a slow process, but you can't you make a decent living out of two, Ron? Yeah, I mean, that's what we're working on. You know, Menominee Tribal Enterprise now is we're working on providing the training, providing the cutting, you know, cutting for grade, maximizing the grade, once we have the tree on the ground, giving that um, and, and trying to figure out a better way and a more make it more lucrative for the for the loggers to be able to come and do this type of work for us. It's important. We realize that, and we're trying to to move forward with some training and other opportunities and compensation as well to um, to the current loggers that we do have, and potentially use it as recruitment and retention as we move forward. Do you have to be from a Maumee tribe to want to do this on your land? You do not. You know, we we um, we have a handful of of local Menominee enrolled Menominee members that are contractors, but we also 
um, I have outside um, contractors from outside of the reservation as well that are welcome to work here. Okay. Yeah. And a bit of training and a bit of know-how because, folks, if you're doing that hand falling and you oh, – oh, I was going to hit on that. Ron, can you tell about the, the, the foresters? You have the, – these are very selective what you do. Could you elaborate a little bit on the foresters that uh, go out and mark the trees and what they're looking for a little bit and the age and all that? Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll go through a kind of our planning process. So we have several departments. Um, we have an inventory um, GIS a department that's involved with the scheduling and the mapping and the overall um, setting up the schedule and keeping an inventory of our forest, which is a pretty massive database. Uh, we have over 10,000 stands of, of timber that we keep track of and through that process, and then it goes into a, a planning process to by treatment, and we that goes into our civil culturalist who writes the prescriptions of the treatments that we want to do, where we want to do them, and do what different types of uh, species we do. And then from there, it goes into the, we also have a forest health department um, with the increase in invasives. Um, we've, we've been able to have a forest health forester on as well, treat with our oak wilt and the other things that we're dealing with. And then it goes to our timber harvest administrators. Those guys work directly with the loggers, um, and they're, they're in charge of administering the harvest. And then from there, from the harvest, and it goes to the sawmill. So it's a starting with inventory, like I talked before. The planning, the planning of that begins two two full years ahead of when the tree is actually harvested. So we have a big process. We're busy. We're kind of low staffed right now, so everyone's doing year-round work in the forest just to keep on our planning schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I can just uh, Peter. I can just ahead. tell by listening to Ron that uh, he he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to being a forester. I want to let people know if you're interested in seeing a little bit about what the Menominee Forest Program is about, their website is very easy to find. It uh, You just put in www.mtewood, oh, that's all one word, mtewood.com, and it'll give you a lot of information about that. Peter, we've, we've got to take our Wisconsin uh, news break, but can you and your guests stick with us to the top of the hour? I sure hope we can. Okay. I'll stay. Well, we'll, Donna we'll, isn't going to leave yet, as far as I know. Donna isn't going to leave as long as I'm at attention. She'll stay. So. I think the door's locked here, so I guess I'm staying. We're not leaving. Happy they said they locked so. the doors. You're not leaving, yes, dudes. Happy to do so. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Kenny, let's take our Wisconsin news break, and then we'll come back with our folks from Let the Sawdust Fly. Peter, take us to the top of the hour. We're going to have these two gentlemen on next month again as well to discuss. We're going to go back in time more the next show to talk about because Ron, he's been in the business. His, his family's been tribal members for goes way back thousands of years, as far as I could tell. And Nels is is in the marketing end. Nels, can you hit, do you have any other things that are important about what you're working on for markets that you can share with the public out there? Well, we are we're always looking at different markets and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I, as we are finishing up on the basketball court thing, I just want the public to know that. Uh, all the wood for the Olympics in Tokyo, all those floors came from Menominee Tribal Enterprises. All of it? So that was, yeah, pretty much all of it, yeah. There might have, might have been a little bit from other sources, but pretty much all of it, yeah. Wow. So I think, I think there was eight, eight courts, so that was um, quite an extensive thing. 
So you provide enough material for eight courts, not one? I'm thinking one court. No, not for eight courts. It was a lot. It's a lot of work. Wow. Um, so we're also, we also do a lot of, there's a lot of uh, wood uh, window companies in Wisconsin and, and in Minnesota and stuff. And so we sell a lot of uh, white pine to those guys for their wood window products. They, they aren't bringing it in from the West Coast anymore because there's just not enough uh, going on there like there used to be. Uh, because so much has gone to vinyl and fiberglass. But uh, we do a lot with those guys and some specialty cuts, uh, some furniture makers uh, that are looking for special kinds of wood and things like that cut a certain way. Uh, we make our own moldings. We make our own paneling. Uh, we distribute that to distributors throughout the state and the Midwest. So looking at a lot of different things. Impressive. Very impressive. Thank you. I should probably explain why I'm standing at attention. Uh, I, was a, uh, I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, and I was taught one thing. When there's someone who outranks you uh, nearby, you stand at attention and you say, yes, sir, no, sir, or yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And, uh, of course, Donna Bergstrom, being a member of a tribal band herself, also was a lieutenant colonel in the United States Marine Corps. So, hence, you, I have Brad. to stand at attention. Yes, yes and, you know, that, that is just um, one of those things that even if it's virtual, you know, we just have that discipline in us, don't we, Brad? So thank you for that. That's right, we do. Yes, yes we do. ma'am, we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it was a pleasure to, to be able to bring these gentlemen on the show and be working here alongside Peter again. Um, another great topic, and I think next month when we come back, we're going to go back in time, which I think will be really interesting for people to understand how this progressed along and how we got to where we are today. I don't want to say it's like a Star Wars trilogy, but it sort of is where we started from the uh, front and worked back. But um, Ron, Nels, anything you'd like to add? No, i just like appreciate um, the show, I think it's great. Uh, I think the exposure, you know, let the sawdust fly, the, the logging industry, and what you guys are doing is great, and for allowing us to come on the show. And I think, you know, just that last uh, news break kind of hit it. The, the timing of it was right on point. We talked about the industry and um, and the lack of, of being able to cut. So it all kind of came together there. And uh, we appreciate the time to be, to be able to have us on the show, and uh, we look forward to next month. Yep, get ready, guys. It's going to be another buckle up and saddle right on here. Thanks for so much. You bet. Thank you, guys, for being part of the show today. And, and Peter, again, always thank you for uh, making sure you bring uh, quality people in with you to not only talk about the industry today, but talk about the history of, of the industry of logging. We just heard, I don't know if you listened to the Wisconsin news break that we just went through. No, busy. But how appropriate, how appropriate. They were talking about how much a logging and wood industry has been lost in Wisconsin and how they nobody is going into that industry anymore because they think it's a lost industry and it's not they just need to find the right amount of people to bring the product to uh, uh to the market so yeah I have ideas so I on that to talk about in the future but uh I want to thank the guys for coming and listening and I mean talking about their history and then next month Brad we're going to go back in history like Donna said we're going to go back in history a bit with Ron and Nels to talk about how did that flooring become flooring it didn't just all of a sudden pop out of the air it was years no 
many years, hundreds of years, probably for nurturing those trees and getting them ready for that moment. We plant trees, folks, for not our generation. We plant the trees and manicure the forest for next. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Thanks for having us again. Thank you very much. And we'll be back with our number three of Sound Off shortly here on WDSM Radio 710. of the North.